Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. If um, I was going to have, would like to have had Wanda and, and all of her clan uh, do that song, Holy Spirit, the one that, that's the current Holy Spirit, you're welcome. There was another vineyard song from years ago that we used to sing that, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. And then just even outside of the vineyard, uh, that's always been a popular theme in that. But certainly today, this is the title of our message, and this is the prayer of our message. So let's just pray that. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your visitation in our midst. And Holy Spirit, we do ask you to come. I ask you to anoint my mind and my words and my thoughts. I ask that you prepare and, and create in us hearts that can hear you and understand. I pray for revelation, Lord Jesus, that you'll bring us revelation of your word and what it means and the applications. And Lord, that in our time of study today, there would be a preparation for a mighty outpouring of your presence in the days and weeks to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now today, if you didn't get, there were, uh, um, there were sheets that I had that just had, had lines on them to write because I didn't do fill in the blanks. I do want to thank again Josh for coming and subbing for us on the board. You did great today, wonderful today. Even when you had a snafu apparently where there were two songs that were the same name but the wrong, different songs. So appreciate you navigating that for us. Very, very helpful. Do what? Yeah, he told me. He told me. No, no, that's my wife. <laughs> that's got the eyes, the eyes behind the head. All, all the men said, "Amen." Amen. That's right. <laughs> that, and you know that, you know that. But that's that's a message for another day. Okay, welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Just going to be looking at passages about the Holy Spirit, and um, I'm. Uh, on these, I'm going to give you a lot of details on it, but you can just write down uh, what you need from that, and if there are some questions you have afterwards, you're, you're welcome to ask me, and I'll, I'll tell you on that. But I think this, the Lord just really spoke to me about doing this, and um, just kind of a very simple, old-fashioned Bible study, just taking the Word and seeing what the Word says and going through it and helping us to understand it, because it's really important for us you know, we're supposed to be a spirit-filled people in a spirit-filled church, so it's important for us to understand that, to understand the, the ministry and operation of the Holy Spirit, and then what our call is from the Lord in, in response to that, and the, the various areas that uh, take place during the ministry of the Holy Spirit for that. So, first of all, uh, Roman numeral one, I mean, you can put whatever you want down on these since I didn't give you a formal outline. But I just have in mind, in, in my, the sheet that I, I did here, room number one is the introduction. And welcome, I looked at some definitions for welcome, means can mean to admit gladly. You know, and that's certainly one thing we want to do with the Holy Spirit, to admit gladly. Uh, another thing that welcome, a definition of welcome, is to um, greet with hospitality. You know, we're, we're saying, you know, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in our hearts. And... And as we said, as the song that's a very, very, uh, Francesca Bellicelli is singing, I think the most that that one is such a powerful song about the presence of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the power of the Holy Spirit in that, you know, wanting him to feel welcome. So we're welcome means to admit gladly, you know, to greet with hospitality, to receive with pleasure. In other words, when we uh, have the presence of the Holy Spirit come upon us, what we want to do is to learn how and understand how to respond. You know, sometimes 
in our experiences with the Lord, in our time with the Lord, especially when the Lord moves powerfully, we can be frightened or we can be um, concerned or we can not understand what's going on. But we need to understand that part of the Holy Spirit feeling welcome is that we can trust him. And we can trust him when we know that he values us and that everything is for our good that he does. And we may not understand some things or that happen in that, but it's something, he's someone we can attru- that we can trust. So to, to welcome means to admit gladly, to greet with hospitality. And I love this last thing I wrote down, to receive with pleasure. And have you ever said that, you know, someone asks you to do something, says, it'd be my pleasure to do that. Well, the Lord comes in, it's our pleasure for him to come, for the Holy Spirit to come, the presence of the Holy Spirit to come in that. And what we want to do, as we said, is we want him to feel comfortable. We want the Holy Spirit to, to feel comfortable. Um, you know, like we did the message on visitor, visitation, visitors in the last week or two. You know, that, that it's important that, as we talked about in that message of seeing visitors come in, new visitors or ones are not here, maybe aren't as aware of things, that they feel welcome, they feel at home, they feel at peace. Well, it's the same in the presence of the coming of the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to come and abide in our own hearts and our homes and our families and our kids and loved ones and ministry and that sort of thing. But we have to be, again, open for that. And so we're, we're crying out, Lord, we're crying out that, that we would do that. You know, there's a, a book that I really, really like that's one of the chapters, or really not just one of the chapters, but the whole focus of the, of the book is um, one on pigeon versus, let me see, let me get the details exactly right here. Pigeon versus dove theology. In other words, that if you look at the difference between a pigeon and a dove, you know, pigeons will just land anywhere, make all kind of mess and do whatever else. But doves are very flighty. They're very, they're very sensitive. They're very careful. And doves can, can land, but if they, if they don't feel comfortable there, they don't feel like they're welcome there, or there's potential danger or whatever else, they'll leave. They will, they will quickly go in that. And it's interesting because the New Testament shows us that the analogy of the Holy Spirit, we're saying welcome Holy Spirit, it's we're welcoming the dove. You know, Jesus is the Lamb of God, but he's also the dove of God. And so we see this if we looked all through Scripture, we would see the different details of where that took place. So just like we would a visitor, you know, we want to have the Holy Spirit, when he comes in our midst, to feel comfortable um, in our different areas. And you, can, you don't have to write these down, but I just thought of some areas. You know, I want him to feel comfortable in our hearts. I want him to feel comfortable that he comes here and his presence comes and we feel his presence coming. You know, that, that we not be afraid or, or anything like that because we need to understand anything that the Lord brings, anything that the Holy Spirit brings to us is for our good. It's for, it's for a release of, of the Lord's pleasure for us. And so we don't need to be afraid of that. We need to, be, to embrace when the Lord does that and to respond in that you know, in our, in our hearts. And also, in addition to our hearts, we want him to feel welcome in our family. You know, as a church family, we want, we want this to be a place that when people come, they can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they can know that, that we respect and honor the presence of the Holy Spirit, want the presence of the Holy Spirit, want the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that he brings to us, and that certainly we want others that come to feel comfortable, but the most important um, area that we have is that we want the Holy Spirit to feel comfortable. We don't want the Holy Spirit to not feel comfortable in our midst, in our hearts, in our family, in our homes. 
You know, it's one thing to try to act godly in our homes. I mean, act godly at church. It's another thing sometimes in our homes. You know, and you, you could add other things to that. You know, um, you could be in, in our homes, as we said, in our church, in our city or our state or in our ministry, different areas. I mean, you can just think of your own list there. But in those areas, when we're saying welcome Holy Spirit, we're not just saying welcome in, into my heart or welcome to here, welcome to our church. We're saying, Holy Spirit, we want you to come and follow in all of Shreveport and Bossier and Minden and, and everywhere. We'll, we'll talk about that in, in a bit and that we want to see the presence of the Holy Spirit come. So then that leads to a question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Notice I didn't say what, but who is the Holy Spirit? From the Greek New Testament language, uh, the, the term that they use was one called parakletos, parakletos. And that's not important, you don't have to write it down, but it literally means one called alongside. And it's interesting when we talk about coming into salvation or we talk about being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You know, that it's kind of a parallel thing because the Holy Spirit came and he rested upon people but there, we can also be filled with the Holy Spirit in that. And um, we want to be in response to the Holy Spirit. We don't want to, to drive the Holy Spirit away from us, so just like driving the, the dove away and that sort of thing. We don't want to have pigeon-type worship. We want to have that the Holy Spirit in the presence of God always feels welcome here. You know, that we sing that song, that you are welcome, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. We really want him to know that. We want him to, that to be in our hearts and our lives and our homes and that sort of thing. Sometimes it can be defined different ways. He can also be defined as a counselor, an advocate, one called alongside to help. He, can be, he was called, the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ. It's also called the Spirit of Jesus. And these are just multiple. They're, they're the same thing, just different phrases, but these are ways that we've, we see them mentioned in Scripture. Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus. One place, it's the Spirit of God's Son. We see that as, as a place there. One of the things that we always see that's kind of a given on that is when we talk about welcoming the Holy Spirit, we're talking about welcoming the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. You know, that when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, He's coming in truth. And that's one of the things sometimes that we're uncomfortable because we're afraid that He is coming in truth and that He probably knows things we're trying to hide, right? You know, and it was like, it's amazing how... When, when we, if you go to a, a conference or, or you get around someone that's kind of gifted in different gifts or that sort of thing, that sometimes, you know, you start going through your mind, oh yeah, I'm, I need, I got some, house, some, some head house cleaning I need to take care of, some hard attitudes and things like that. Well, it's not a bad thing to do with it, and it's better to do it all the time, right? It's better to have a lifestyle of just, of, of walking with the Holy Spirit so that any time that the Holy Spirit came in our presence, that we wouldn't be embarrassed or we wouldn't be ashamed, that we'd be responsive and say, welcome, come, as a church individually and our families and our kids and everything in relation to that. But the spirit of truth is also the spirit of holiness. Scripture says that he's for us, he's with us, and he's in us. Isn't that good to know? That the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that he's for us, that he's, he's on our side, you know, and uh, he's on the side of everyone that will, that will sign up on his side. I mean, that, that's, that's the heart of the Lord. That The heart of the Lord is that no man or no woman or no person perish. But the truth is many choose to go other ways. And so it's something that in our choosing brings a response to the Holy Spirit that, that we want to have fellowship with him, that we want to 
be a part of the presence of the Holy Spirit coming, that in doing that, it it's, releases the Spirit to come, to do that in us. He's also called the Spirit of Holiness, who is for us, with us, and in us. The Spirit of Holiness, for us, with us, and in us. What does he do? The first thing he does, and we see this, and you can look if you want to in John chapter 15. and Look at a few passages of Scripture here. John chapter 15. What does the Holy Spirit do? One of the first things he does is he teaches us. And I'm just going to read through this passage. Start at chapter 14 and verse number... Um, 15. Okay? Chapter 14 going into verse 15. Oh, I'm sorry. John. Gospel of John. Any other questions? That's fine. Yeah. I knew it's what I wanted to say. Y'all didn't know what I wanted to say? Okay. So, John, tap page. Let's see what's the page on here. Yeah. 1675, huh? Okay. Uh, so here we have, and in verse 15 of chapter 14, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. It's kind of the subtitle I have. It says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You see, the Lord says there that the, that the price, or it is the entrance, or the the key that opens the door into the Holy Spirit coming to our lives in that is that, that we go to the Father, that we ask for the Father to release the advocate, the spirit of the truth, and that the Lord gladly does that. You know, that, that, he, that he sent Jesus, but we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're, they're, they're all one in one. We don't understand all of that. It's really beyond our comprehension. But the Father says, and Jesus gives the words of the Father. He says, I'll ask the Father... And he'll give you another advocate. What's, what's the advocate? A helper. How do you need a helper? You know, we need help in a lot of ways, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and that sort of thing. And that comes from the release of the Holy Spirit, where he does that, a counselor, an advocate. Um, one of the ways there, um, parakletos, it literally means one called alongside to help. You know, that, that the way he helps us is that he's called alongside us, that he's there with us. And that can be a comfort, and that can be a little scary sometimes, you know, knowing that the Spirit is always there. It's not like that he doesn't know what's going on, but when he's walking with us and we're walking with him, that he's there. He's our advocate. He's called alongside to help us in the midst of that. And then as you, you go on, you can look at, at some of these other verses, but I want to just go ahead and give you some references in that, uh, that we've looked at that. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God's Son, he's the Spirit of Truth, and the spirit of holiness. And you can, you can get all these from, from that passage and that. But those are things that are just attributes of the Holy Spirit that we need to understand in that. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit in that. We asked this question. We said, what does he do? What does he do? And there, here we want to look at John chapter 15 and verse 26. Now, when the advocate comes, and who is the advocate? The Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out with the Father, he will testify about me. 
And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And of course, that he was speaking directly to the disciples and those that were walking with him. But those are words that are given to us as well. You know, that the Holy Spirit is a counselor. He's an advocate. He's called alongside us. And, and as we said that, and, and that in that, what we see that he does is what does he do? First of all, he teaches us. Do you know that we have to, we have to go back? Have you, any of you ever had a dream before you're in the dream that you're, you're back in school or university or somewhere and you're taking a test that you don't remember if you studied for or not? Ever had that? That's actually a very common dream that comes sometimes. And usually it's, what it simply means is there's something that's weighing on you that was unfinished that, that you need to deal with in that. And, and usually the Lord will show you what it has to do with that. But the Holy Spirit does that. He's, he, he's called alongside us. He helps us. He teaches us. He reminds us. And that's good, you know. I mean, my junior Holy Spirit's Kathy. She reminds me a lot of stuff all the time. <laughs> you don't have to frown like that. I, that, was, that was serious, right? And uh, we, we, what does Scripture say about husband and wives? I'm getting in trouble. It talks about help meet, right? That's called alongside. Isn't that what it is? Boy, it's got quiet in the room, hasn't it? I guess we better stay on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Marriage will be another day. We'll talk about that. Marriage and relationships, another day. But he teaches us, he reminds us, he convicts us. What does that mean? Is that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is not condemnation, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit is just kind of a, what we might call a prick in our conscience of where we, we suddenly realize it's something we've said or something we've done or something that we've thought or an attitude that we had or a way we responded or didn't respond to someone else. And all of a sudden that what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit brings to us not condemnation, but he brings to us just an acknowledgement and understanding that, he, that the Father has been grieved and the presence of the Lord has been grieved. And it's, again, it's not, a, it's not a, a hammer that he's going to hammer us with, but he's, he's in the love and the mercy of God through the Holy, agency of the Holy Spirit, that he's preparing our hearts so that we have tender hearts. Because what happens if we have sin or anger or judgment or just all these things that if we have those unattended to over a period of time and it really doesn't take a long time over a period of time that builds up and it becomes uh, more and more innocent becomes a stronghold in that and the holy spirit wants to deal with those issues and the things that happen at the time that they happen and dismiss them so that they're washed away you know the a lot of times the the hardest areas that we have and being free from bondage or from hurt or pain or disappointment that may have been from years ago in that, that the reason we have the difficulty is because we've hung on to it and not dealt with it for all of those years. And then when it comes time that we really, the Lord, Holy Spirit wants to bring us to deal with that, we're afraid to because we're ashamed of how long it's been or this or that or the other. But the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Father who loves us, who cares for us, who sent his own son Jesus to pay a, pay a great price to bring us in his presence, bring us in relationship. So he guides us, he glorifies Jesus, he brings us gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, the day of Pentecost and all that was there. And it's interesting because what the Lord used there was he used the sign of a dove. Remember, the sign of the dove was kind of the sign of the Holy Spirit. He didn't use a pigeon. I think that's interesting. He didn't use a pigeon. He wasn't interested in pigeon theology. It was, it was the, the theology that we have of the presence of Jesus and the presence of the dove. 
So what we want to do in welcoming the Holy Spirit is we want to invite him to come. We want to invite him to come in all the areas that we just talked about and, and different things and area that it's like, you know, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, come. Would you, would you come in my thought life? Would you come in my attitudes? You know, you don't have to pile these all up at one time, but you, you know, just over a period of time, you know, would Holy Spirit come and deal with this? Holy Spirit, come and deal with this and in that and just crying out to the Lord in that, an environment for the Holy Spirit to feel welcome. I think that's very, very important for us individually and corporately and for the body of Christ is to cry out to God in hunger and desire and show the Lord that he truly is welcome in our presence, especially when we're talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Through, you know, I've gone through a few years of, of life now, but in, in that I've seen many moves of God in, in many states and some, sometimes nations. And um, one of the tragedies to me of a move of God is that it can be exciting and people can be touched and it can be stirred up and everything else. But it was never meant to just be an, an item of itself. It was kind of a Kickstarter type deal. It was meant to, to, to push us into the, what the Lord had for us. And a lot of times after a season, our attitude begins to change, our hearts begin to harden. And then when, when a presence of the Lord comes or something comes to release uh, a new thing or even an old thing to the body of Christ, our response as Christians and even spirit-filled believers is often been there, done that, bought the book. And I just think that's so sad because the Holy Spirit, when he comes, is always fresh, always fresh. He always has a now word for us. And so we need to be able to embrace that and respond to that of when he's there in that, in that making the environment of him feeling welcome, you know, in the areas above that we talked about. Keep doing that. Luke 11, verse 9 through 13 says this. He says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, Keep on knocking. Keep on, say it again, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Because the truth there, it says, is our Father will give the Holy Spirit slash good gifts to his people. And he says he calls the Holy Spirit a good gift or a good thing. You know, the coming of the Holy Spirit is a good thing. When people first started hearing about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, you know, they were afraid. They were crazy. You know, I mean, they thought we were crazy. They weren't crazy. They thought we were crazy. They thought, you know, that we were, we were wild. We were off in all this thing and, and, and in that. And, and the truth is, is that often in the carnal nature, we'll reject what the Lord brings to us if it's not in a package that we recognize. And where in the Word does it say that God has a package for exactly how everything ha happens? What we test is not the package. What we test is we test the heart of it and the purpose of it. And when it matches with Scripture in there, and the Lord shows us that, he'll teach us new things. That's part of the welcoming of the Holy Spirit is that he releases to us, as we said, he teaches us, reminds us, convicts us, guides us, brings glory to Jesus, seals us, brings gifts, release, power. could go on and on and on. I know you can't write all those down. But that's just so true in that. We want to have a dove theology. We want to have a dove theology that we, we're sensitive to his presence. We don't, we don't say no. We don't push him away. That we create that environment for the Holy Spirit, making him feel welcome. One of the ways that we do that is, is by prayer and, and intercessory prayer. When we go back and we pray, if we pray in the back room or if we're praying 
you know, hopefully for us all, um, that in the morning or the afternoon or sometime whenever we have a prayer time or even when we're driving down the road, that we really attend to praying. And that I think that, that prayer needs to be focused on the Lord and, and focused on calling the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us, and the Lord to speak to us in that time. But I think also that when we're praying that we're also asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us in a way that lets us see through his eyes to the needs of others around us, to the needs of those that we encounter and for other situations in that, that we can be fresh in that, that he, we can hear his word, we can hear what he says, says with us, you know, that we can experience in that. When we say, come Holy Spirit, we can experience in that his manifest presence. You know, it's interesting. Scripture shows us an example. Just turn to Judges chapter 16, verse 20. I'm not going to look at many passages of Scripture, but this is an important one. Judges 16, verse 20. And it's, it's not directly tied to, to this message, but it's a good example that we have in here in, um, in responding and uh, doing what we need to do to have the Holy Spirit come. Judges 16, verse 20. This is the story we have of Samson. Remember the story of Samson? What was, what was Samson's special gift? He was strong, right? He was very strong. He, took the, he could take the jawbone of a donkey, right? Not supposed to use that other word in church, right? He could take the jawbone, the dogbone, the jawbone of a donkey, you know, and he could he could deal and he could kill hundreds or thousands of the enemy, and he was a deliverer for the nation of Israel involved in that. And so he had the anointing of God, he had the power of God, he had the presence of God, but he certainly didn't have the morality or the or the depth that he needed to have to continue to do what, what the Lord has for him. And so you know the story of Delilah of where they she begins to, to, to you know, do her tale and, and, and depress him and push and push and push, trying to find out the secret of his strength of why he could, could you know, take down a whole army by himself in that. And each time as he goes through it, he gets a little bit closer to, to what it's tied up into. And really all it was, it wasn't anything that, you know, that just it was the vow, the, the Nazarite vow that he had of where from birth his parents and he had followed it, had, had resolved to follow certain areas. And one of those was the Levitical um, area that he had was that of, of respecting the Lord and doing such things he had as, as even not cutting the hair in that. And so this woman comes in and she entices him, entices him, entices him. And you know the story. You know, Samson had to be one of the stupidest men I've ever come across in Scripture. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, love is blind. Well... This, this, was, this one was deaf, too. I mean, just didn't see. Just couldn't, couldn't understand how he's being taken down of that. But he got closer and closer and closer to telling, because she was nagging him and trying to say, because she was being paid by the others, you know, to find out what's the strength so that we can deal with that, so that we can take him. And so she kept nagging, kept nagging, kept nagging, and he finally comes to the place where he tells her, and he says, well, the secret to all of this is, is the vow is the vow that, that I, the vow before the Lord, you know, and that involved not cutting the hair as well. It wasn't the hair that the hair was, was powerful in itself. It was the vow. 
But when he did that, he broke the vow. But here's the thing that's interesting in relation to the Holy Spirit is that it says in verse number 20 here, and this is after she's asleep and, and she's um, shaved off the braids of his hair and uh, his, his strength has left him. And she calls Samson the Philist- and said, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That, that passage just always grips my heart. You know, if we, if we want the Holy Spirit to feel welcome, you know, one of the real keys is we need to know when, when he's there and know when he's not there. You know, it doesn't need to be. Remember that old story years and years and years ago when we were kids, the emperor's clothes, you know, where it really didn't have any clothes, but, you know, finally one kid just basically said, in this theological term, he's naked. You know, he doesn't have, doesn't have anything on and in that. And, well, here Samson just didn't even know. He'd, all, he'd moved this incredible power, incredible anointing of the presence of the Holy Spirit. But now it was gone, and he wasn't even aware. That's the cry for me, for my heart, and for, for our family, and for the church, is that I don't want us to ever be in the place of where we don't even realize that the Holy Spirit's not present. We don't even realize that he's there because he wants to be there. But there's that clash of sin and, and, and that the Lord wants to deal with in that. And so, again, you know, we, we say, come Holy Spirit, you know, through prayer, word, fasting, you know, and, and to deal with those things, deal with our hearts and show us the areas so that we can repent and be free of those. And right, another thing that helps us and important in coming Holy Spirit is to take time to wait for him, to wait for him. I don't know about you, but sometimes one of the hardest things, um, for me some, and um, well, definitely for me, because my wife's here and I have to be honest, but, you know, waiting and being still can sometimes almost drive you crazy, right? And, you know, and if you have a tendency to, well, I won't get there, but, you know, I won't tell you all my problems. Kathy can tell you about it, but... You know, that sometimes we're just so driven or we have to do things or whatever in that. And that can be a real block of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It really, really can. That we, you know, we, we need to deal with um, clutter that's in our hearts and clutter that's in our lives. And, um, you know, we, we don't need to be quick on giving up of his coming. I mean, in the New Testament, you know, I, there were people that missed the day of Pentecost because they thought, oh, I'll make it the next day or two. And that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit couldn't have come on them afterwards because you know, the Holy Spirit did come on. But sometimes we miss the presence of the Lord. We miss what the Lord's doing because we're just, we're just busy in that. You know, and Acts 1-4 says, don't be quick in giving up on his coming. We need to focus in on being when he, when he comes, when he visits us. We want to be ready. You know, we also want to be sure that we respond and wait for God's timing in, in whatever the situation is there. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, you don't have to, to look there, but it's in 1 Samuel chapter 13. We have the story there of King Saul and Samuel. And uh, in that, um, he, Saul was given um, from the Lord, from Samuel, from the presence of the Holy Spirit. He was given um, a command about him waiting to a certain time for sacrifices to be done. That Samuel said that he would, he would come um, and what happened was he was running late, or he came later. And so what happens was that what we see that, that's, that he did here, that Saul did, was he saw the enemy was coming, 
and the prophet wasn't there, and he was afraid to go to battle without the prophet. And by the way, it's not the presence of the prophet, it's the presence of the Lord that makes the difference. But he was afraid to go to battle, and so he says he felt compelled. You know, another way for that is saying he felt driven. When we feel compelled or driven to do something that our, that our conscience or our spirit says no to, we need to stop and go the other way. Because he, he was just, he's like, oh no, he's not here. We're going to go to battle. We haven't even had a sacrifice for the battle. We might lose the battle. Besides, it's his fault he was late. You know, this, that was really what he was implying there. And so it says he felt compelled and, and he did the sacrifice. Well, guess what? One thing that kings don't do. They don't do the sacrifice. And because that, he was judged. And because that, there were consequences in there. And that's, again, we don't want to feel compelled. We don't want to be driven. Remember the story I told you years ago about uh, one of my professors, Dr. Charles Farah at ORU, that once when he was visiting in Israel the first time, that as he was going along and he looked and he saw that, that all these sheep and, and, and there was this, this um, the sheep was there, they were going and, and this guy had this, this stick and, and he was beating the sheep and driving the sheep. And, and so he asked the tour guide, he says, I understand. He says, I thought the shepherd led the sheep. And, he laughed, and, and the tour guide laughed and said, he does. That's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. You know? Yeah, it makes a little difference, and I've never, I'll never forget that story. It's so true, you know. It's like we assume that one thing's happening when it can be something at all. And we need to understand that Jesus never drives us like a butcher. The Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit wants to draw us in and draw us to him, and draw us close in that. That's his heart. That's, his, that's what he wants to do. We don't want to be driven, you know. We want to, to respond to his presence. Galatians 5.25 says, Live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. You know, that that's, um, that's something that the Lord calls us to do. You know, learning the ways of the Lord. That was Galatians 5.25. Learning the ways of the Lord. Learning to be sensitive to His presence. I remember, how many of you, probably some of you, are around long enough to remember a prophetic guy by the name of Bob Jones? Some of y'all remember them? Probably don't. It's probably been a, shows the errors that we've gone through here. There was a dear, dear friend that we had uh, whose name was Bob Jones. And um, he was um, probably one of the most prophetically gifted guys I've ever known in my life. And that really that we've ever had in the country. And he's, he's been with the Lord for just a few years now. Went, went home to the Lord there. But he was just a really interesting guy. Very much country and... Uh, um, but had an amazing ministry in that, that whole thing. But one of the things he talked about that, because he really helped me a lot in understanding prophetic ministry and that sort of thing, was he says one of the things, and not just for prophetic people, but for all of us, he said, the Lord wants us all to develop what he called golden senses. Golden senses, you know. And what he meant by that, you know, we have the different things that you have for senses like seeing and hearing and smelling and touching and tasting, you know, and the presence, different things like that, the different things that we have in our, our natural and that. Well, he talked about using those things, even in relation to the Holy Spirit and the ministry, that to, to be aware of those as well, learning to see, 
you know, learning to recognize even with our natural eyes or with the eyes of the Spirit that the presence of the Lord is there, the anointing of the Lord is there, that he's doing something that we, that we need to understand. You know, it may, the same thing may be true with, with um, hearing, another sense that we have in the natural, just learning to hear the Lord. And then one that was interesting that I'd never heard anything about, but it was so amazing what happened in the early days of our church was another sense than the natural was smell. And there were times where we would just be in worship in the early days of our church and the fragrance of, ray, of, um, of roses just settled over the room. I mean, we looked around and, you know, we'd check afterwards. Is, was it anybody have, have that kind of perfume or anything else? But the pres- just the presence of God would fall upon the room and you could smell it. Incredible, you know. And why did it happen? Because the Lord loves us. Holy Spirit loves us, and he was just showing us that he's there. He was there in his presence. Now, we're not to seek after those things. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about sometimes the Lord may just do something that's extraordinary if we're sensitive and open because he loves us and he cares for us. And, and you, could, you, could, you could take any of those things of the, of the senses there. The, but the whole truth is, is we need to learn to be sensitive to the presence of the Lord. We need to learn to do that, to, to be sensitive. In um, 1 Kings 19, you don't have to turn there, but remember the story of Elijah? And when Elijah is on the run, he's afraid, you know, that all the prophets of other prophets have been killed, and now the king's put out a, you know, a death sentence on him. And so he's, he's afraid, and, and the Lord tells him to do something, so he eats this meal and whatever, and he takes off and he runs and he goes somewhere. And, um, and he gets there. And he's waiting, and then the Lord comes to visit him. And the Lord came in two or three ways in that. And um, one of the, the three things that happened in that was that the Lord, there was first there was like a mighty wind. And when the mighty wind came, there was, you know, a mighty wind. And we're thinking, we think in the natural, well, that must, that, that must be the presence of God, mighty wind. I mean, that's, we know from the New Testament that was a good thing, right? But it wasn't in this case. And then in addition to the... Um, uh, mighty wind that was there, there was also an earthquake. I mean, the earth starts shaking. But the prophet knew that that wasn't the Lord, what the Lord wanted him to hear there either. And then in addition to that, there was a fire that came. Now, you know, if, if we're someone, if we're junior prophets or we're just junior Christians or whatever else, and we don't operate in those kind of realms, that if the Lord sends us, were to send us somewhere and we're starting to have these manifestations, it would be really easy to camp on those manifestations. But the truth was, is Elijah, being a seasoned prophet, didn't do that. Because after the wind, and, and, he, and he knew it wasn't there, and after the earthquake and the fire, he knew that that wasn't the Lord. But the next thing that came from the Lord was this, a whisper. And when the Lord whispered, he took his shawls like, ooh, it's almost like, whoa, is me. You know, I'm in it now. Because <laughs> he knew he'd been griping. He was now in the presence of God. And the, the presence of God wasn't anything spectacular. It was just the presence. It was the quietness and the presence of God. That's when he knew the Lord was there. And that's one of the things that we need to really seek after in, in our time with the Lord and being sensitive and saying, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome. You know, that, that we want to learn how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Remember Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20? Not to turn there, I'll, I'll go for you, but... Revelation 3, verse 20. 
I can get there. It's a long ways to that book there. There it is. And let's just start, yeah, start at verse 20. Here's the Lord speaking. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him or dine with him, with that person, and they with, they with me. Isn't that interesting? I mean, this is the Lord, the voice of the Lord, and it's the imitation of the Holy Spirit, is that the Lord says that he loves for us. The Lord says that he knocks on our door. You know, and sometimes people say, I've never heard the Lord, or the Lord's never spoken to me, or that. Well, the truth is, the Lord probably speaks to us every day. It's just that we're busy, or distracted, or upset, or other things. We're not in the place, or we haven't provided the place to hear the voice of the Lord, or hear what he's saying to us, so that we can respond in, in a proper way in that. Well, that, again, is an important thing that the Lord has, has called us to do. Is to, is to do that, to just be quiet in his presence and to allow the Lord to, to bring that, to bring it into our hearts, to bring it into our lives in that. He stands at the door, he knocks. If we hear and we, then he, and respond, he opens the door and says we can come in and eat or dine with him. You know, part of, the, part of this talking about the Holy Spirit is that we want to, to spend time in his presence. We want to dine with him. It's, he's, he's, you know, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There it's, it's the three in one. It's a mystery we can't understand with our own minds. But it is the presence of the Lord that we do in that. So we need to, to spend those intimate times, personal intimate times, in, in the coming and presence of the power of the Lord. And that again goes back to our individual time of prayer and intercession and crying out to God and time in the word and learning to do that. Then also, as we're wrapping this up, one of the things we need to do, to do in, in responding to the presence of the Holy Spirit is flowing, learn how to flow in Holy Spirit ministry. Learning how to flow in Holy Spirit ministry. I think that there's protocols that we need, that we need to be involved in and, and follow in, and, and, and there's areas that we can grow and that we can be trained, um, not to manipulate, but that we can, can be trained of how to respond and, and how to embrace and then how to maybe to, to give away and to press in that. And we'll probably talk about that some more in the times to come. You know, the Lord's called us to, to flow in Holy Spirit ministry. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. You know, when people have their cell phones that they hear that they hear their, uh, it's, it gets quieter in the room. It's like, oh, nobody's reading their Bible. No, they're reading it off of their cell phone. And that, including my wife there. But I, I like the paper. I like that a lot better. Okay, where was I here? First Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Let's see I'll just start at verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. That means that when the Holy Spirit comes, that in our thoughts and our attitudes and our response or non-response, that, that can determine whether the Holy Spirit feels welcome and stays or the Holy Spirit lists for someone that's hungry. 
in that. And so it says, don't quench the spirit. It goes on, it says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. It says, do test them. In other words, that we, we're, we aren't to just nat- automatically assume that they're right. We're to test them. Hold on what is good and reject what is evil and every kind of evil. And so that, that's important. The Lord's told us to do that, to pray continually, to give thanks, and, and to respond to the Lord in that. You know, I, I love, I was here, heard a guy named Mahesh Shavda, um, who was a very powerful speaker and teacher and minister, and especially in the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I heard him, times I heard him teaching on this passage about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19. And one of the things he talked about was not putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit or not quenching the Holy Spirit. And he says that whenever there's a visitation or a presence of the Holy Spirit that's come upon us, he said, we have a choice. And it's like, he said, it's like the Lord gives us two buckets of water. You know, he gives us two buckets of water and we have, have a choice in that time. I'm sorry, we have, we have two, two buckets. One's a bucket of gas and one's a bucket of water. And we have a choice of what we're going to do. You know, are we going to take the bucket of water and pour it on the gas, you know, so that we won't have any flame or any chance of being burned or anything like that? You know, and it's really what it's saying is, are we going to embrace the fire and presence of God? Are we going to do everything we can to contain it and put it out? That's probably a better way to say it in that, you know, and we're just saying part of saying come Holy Spirit is that Holy Spirit, we want you to come and whatever you have for us. Because we know that the Holy Spirit and the Father God have for us that's only what's best for us. Remember that old show, Father Knows Best? Mm-hmm. Wasn't maybe that way in all of our homes. Sorry for my kids. It probably I knew it wasn't that way in all of our homes when I was dead. And, and that, but it's like the truth is, is as we get older, we find out, you know, he's a lot smarter and knew a lot more things than I knew he knew. Which means I probably was a lot dumber in a lot of things I didn't know. Yeah, and don't say you up too loud, Kathy. In that, but we, we all learn as we get a little bit older. Second Timothy one six says this: Stir up the fan, stir up and fan into flame the gifts of God. Stir up and fan into flame the gifts of God. That that's all part of it. Is that we want, you know, that when the presence of God comes, it's like you you have this anointing. You know, I mean, you have the anointing of the presence of God. It's that we have the opportunity with that. To, to let it grow, or we have the opportunity to put it out. So it's like what Mahesh was saying was, what's your response? Do you pour water on it, you know, and, and put it out and make it safe? Or are you willing to pour out something that's going to accelerate the presence, the anointing of God, even though it could be a, a little scary or a little dangerous, or you might, you know, in that, that situation, learning to do that. Second Timothy 1.6 says this, calls us to stir up and fan into flame the gifts of God. To stir up and fan into flame. Have you ever tried to make a, any Boy Scouts, former Boy Scouts here? Rodney knows out today, so uh, he and I were Boy Scouts together. But one of the things you learned as Boy Scouts was how to make a fire. And not only just make a fire, but to make a fire that could still be there the next morning. You know, know, how to really make a fire and learn how to do that and respond to that. Well, we need to learn how to cultivate um, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in that and, and how to respond in that, you know, that we can look for and receive and embrace the gifts and ministries that he has. And the Lord, you know, the Lord gives us gifts. Why? So that we can give them away, so that we can, you know, we, some of you may have a gift of